Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. In the Gun, episode number 22, a TCU recap for you here. Wesley Euler, Jed Drenning, the signal caller. We're going to be joined momentarily by the runaway beer truck, Owen Schmidt. Jed, partner, we have got a lot to get to here on this episode uh, 22, so no time to waste. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online, folks. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You always find the latest odds, team matchup information, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, college sports, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE when you sign up to receive your rewards. That's B L E A V. Bet Online, where. The game begins. Jed, as always, we're going to pull up the top 25 poll here as well, too, and uh, and take a look at some moving and shaking across the college football landscape. Anything standing out to you here, partner? Uh, well, the showdown, you know, this weekend, you got uh, the showdown yeah. between Georgia and Tennessee. You got co-number twos. Not often you see that. I thought that was kind of interesting to see uh, Tennessee and Ohio State land there. Some of this stuff's obviously going to sort itself out. You got the first playoff. Uh, rankings coming out this week as well, uh, which, according to them, they don't let these polls influence them, but I'm sure there's some right, some there level of that be, yeah, that's yeah. infused or baked into the equation. Uh, you know, TCU sitting there at number seven, uh, which, depending on how you look at resumes, again, is, is TCU a perfect team? No, but I think they're a team that's that's unscathed, they're unbeaten, and they got a pretty good resume. You know, they had four straight wins over teams that were at the time ranked, so... I mean, I, if you've ever put together a top twenty, put together a top twenty-five poll. I just made up the word "putting." If you ever put together a top twenty-five poll, you start to recognize that maybe outside of a couple teams, it's really a, a collection of teams that are the least flawed. Okay, yes. because all of them have flaws. It's just a, a matter of degree. Uh, I, I'm not so sure TCU. Maybe again, it'll sort itself out, but maybe it shouldn't be a slot or two higher. Yeah. just based on the fact they knocked off four straight ranked teams so from a resume standpoint, but it's, it's not like that's going to matter here in a couple of weeks. Uh, these teams are going to start beating themselves just the way the matchups fall. But, but uh, Oklahoma state, uh, they fell cool. to 18th and that's being kind, right? Man, <laughs> we'll I get to that here. I did after not a bit. see that coming. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that here after a bit, but, and Kansas state climbed to 13. Uh, so here come the Wildcats, you know, that's just a crazy development with a backup quarterback and the whole nine yards. But yeah, from a big 12 perspective, pretty interesting. But again, it's also intriguing to me that an Oregon team that got their doors blown off 49 to three in that opener has rebounded and now climbed their way back to number eight, back into the top 10. So anyway, that's just a couple things that stood out to me. If you're going to get your doors blown off, week one's the time to do it right there for Oregon. They've they've yeah. certainly clawed back. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, it's been a while since we've had a one-versus-two matchup, about a decade ago, uh, Bama and LSU in that infamous 9-6 to final score game. Uh, and, yeah, all eyes will certainly be on uh, on Georgia and Tennessee this Saturday. 
Uh, as always, Jed here. We've got some headlines in our, our first, our intro segment here. Uh, the big one, the one that you and I have kicked around and kicked around with Owen a few times. Uh, we've discussed this. We've hinted at this. We've um, speculated about this maybe is, is the word that I'm looking for. But the Big 12 uh, finally now officially has a, uh, has a new TV contract. Yeah, they do. Some good reporting by a handful of folks out there, including Chuck Carlton. Uh, you know, he put together a series of tweets as the story was breaking. Uh, one of his tweets, uh, I'll touch on some of the, the more salient points here. He says the new agreement will include a grant of rights through 2031. It also includes a prorated clause in case Big 12 expands further, which you have to imagine. These things are, are so transient by their very nature. You have to find the best way possible to be nimble as a league yeah. uh, because none of these things are going to uh, stay the way they are for long. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been an impressive, pretty impressive. If this turns out to be the way it looks a pretty impressive first two, three months on the job for, uh, for Brett, your mark. I mean, what we're looking at, they expect total conference revenue distribution, uh, to rise. You're looking at 50 million per school with the new agreement. Uh, so it's, it's going to rise and we, we could actually, once all the dust settles and all the revenue streams that are tied to each school, uh, come in. Uh, it, it's, it looks like we will actually, as an institution per school, make more per school after Oklahoma, Texas, than we did with them and whoever cause, could have seen that come. Yeah, no, it's, it's big time. It's, it's obviously, listen, I think if you, the, the, the only way to not be excited about this new TV deal is if you try and, you know, compare it to the one that the SEC is going to sign here before too much longer, right? Yeah. But realistically, this this is what you wanted. You wanted that 50 million number or at least pretty darn close in that ballpark, right? Uh, and I, I'm with you. I think it's a six-year deal. Um, Granter White writes through 2031. It's not like you're, you know, it's not like you're locked down for the next 20 years or, or something like that. Um, and like you mentioned too, it feels like more expansion is inevitable. We all know, I mean, conference realignment never stops. It's, it's, you know, there's, there's going to be more of this as this goes along. So realistically, I know some of the, you know, maybe some of the pessimists will say, well, Hey, it's, you're not getting, you're not getting what the big Ten's getting. Hey, you're not getting what the SEC's getting. You were never going to. No, this, I think is no. this is about as is realistically good as as you could hope for. Well, th those leagues, especially the SEC, uh, the Big Ten is very top heavy, but they're they're brimming with brand equity, right? Yeah. Now, what's interesting is the way that Brett Yormark positioned the Big Twelve was just the competitive balance of the league, especially as he put it, without Oklahoma and Texas. This is a league that just beats itself up, yeah. and it's fun to watch. So from a TV standpoint, that's pretty captivating television, right? So that was his pitch. And, uh, you know, who knows what this is going to look like, not just during the six-year life of this deal, but maybe even a touch beyond that. Who knows what's going to play out with the ACC? Some people say it's ironclad with that grant of rights. Some people say it's not. Some people still anticipate you know, the top portions of the ACC to get rated by some combination of the Clemson, big North Carolina, and yeah, you know, FSU, Miami, whoever it might be, maybe Virginia. And if in to the fact big 10, that happens, like that. does that yeah. open a door or a yeah. window of opportunity to? We've heard Brett Yormark talk so much, and this is purely speculation on our part, right? That's all this is, but we've heard Brett Yormark talk, talk so much about nationalizing the Big 12, right? 
Well, maybe at the end of the day, in 10 years, what that looks like is after something played out with the ACC to remove some of those, you know, bigger brands that we talked about, that opens a door for an exit plan for some of the others. And maybe the eastern wing of the Big 12 does include the Virginia Techs and the Pitts and the Syracuses and the Louisvilles and the Boston Colleges. How cool would that be? Right? That's the dream. So right? now That's the dream, that, right? they would be league partners. And oh, by the way, we'd also get a couple, you know, cool trips out to the Southwest, you know, uh, out, out West uh, against league partners as well. So who knows? But I, what I like about this is it's very nimble in its nature. And I'm not so sure that I've seen uh, a conference TV deal quite as flexible as this one appears to be. Yeah, that's that's well said. That's well said. Uh, speaking of TV, we've got a kickoff time for Oklahoma. Of course, will be the uh, the penultimate home game for the Mountaineers, November twelfth. Another nooner, Jed. Uh, I mean, I just is a three is a three thirty home kickoff too much to ask? Can well, a guy get, can a guy get a three thirty? I mean, geez, Louise. Let's start with this. That's our first use. And how many episodes? Twenty-two episodes. So it took to episode twenty-two till somebody used penultimate, right? Penultimate for those scoring at home, second to last. Second to West, last. You know, West, do you know what third to last is? I do not. Anti penultimate. Oh, interesting. But you're right. Uh, it seems like by law, it's noon or it's it's home, so we get a noon kickoff. And you know what? The chatter on TCU. Uh, Twitter last week was they were really fired up and excited over the fact that they caught us with an early kickoff. Of course, they're like, "Good, we don't want a later kickoff and get those fans lathered up. We get yeah, in there. I'm early, not excited to play three thirty at Ames. I wish that was a noon why kickoff in Ames. Why can't yeah. we get a road kickoff at Every noon instead of taking year, their man. crowds Every back shot? Year. So now watch, it, we we had to go we had to go play at Pitt right in prime time, only show in town, college game day year. Thursday night. It'll be noon in Morgantown next yep, year. It'll be noon next year. Yep, that's what'll happen. We'll, 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 we'll play a night game at Penn State Labor Day weekend in the Whiteout, yeah. and then we'll get yeah. pit at noon at home. Right. Yeah, yeah. It pisses yeah, me off so bad. It pisses me that's off so happen. bad. But, yeah, another noon kickoff. So we, we'll have one more shot. You know, a K-State team that seems to be cresting at the right time will be the one home game remaining after the matchup against Oklahoma. So let's see. Looking <sighs> now, too. I mean, we – we had to host Virginia Tech at noon. They got us in prime time. Yep. <laughs> it's just, yep. it's exactly. It's frustrating. Now, there's no easy way to transition to this final headline. Maybe I'll say that, you know, when I'm complaining about kickoff times, this puts it in good perspective. Yeah. Uh, a somber, somber week here in Mountaineer Nation. Uh, and just, you know, again, no easy way to transition to, into this. But, of course, uh, James Gamitter, uh, offensive lineman for the Mountaineers, his mother, Kimberly, uh, tragically passing away suddenly here this week uh jed I'm, I'm sure you're more familiar with with the family and, and some of these things and i know you want to talk about the gofundme that they've set up i'll just say uh i met mrs gamitter kimberly uh back at the spring game in april we uh, for anyone who's been to the spring game you know how it kind of works it's just first come first serve you can park in the blue lot no no passes no nothing we had a tailgate set up and uh mr and mrs gamitter were actually right next to us and we ended up hanging out with them for about a half an hour um she was hilarious she was funny and man was she proud of of her son and uh for her to be gone now at, at such a young age and you know when 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 james is just starting his family and and she was a, a grandmother it's it's man it's it's tragic it's sad it is and and you know you put together a show like this 
so people can tune in and escape reality, the harsh reality of the world and have fun and good times and joke around. And that's what we do. Uh, but also, if the show has provided us with any kind of platform to do the right thing on occasion, that's what we're going to try and do. And uh, uh, good folks, the committers, a uh, couple of things I'd like to point out. The reason we're bringing this up is we do have a platform to kind of push you in the right direction to maybe help out in some small way. First of all, I want to bring you to uh, James Gemitter's Twitter account. Bring that to your attention. It's at Gemitter74, at G-M-I-T-E-R 74. And it was on his Twitter account where he most recently posted, my mom was one of the most caring and giving people I've ever met. She worked so hard to support us all with her sudden and unexpected passing. A GoFundMe page was started to help support with costs and the future. If you would like to donate, the link will be attached. So that is on his Twitter account. Now, also, we're going to put it and post it and make sure it's visible on our Twitter account at In The Gut Podcast. Uh, so we'd certainly, uh, Kimberly Gemitter's GoFundMe, we'd, we'd certainly like you to do what you can, Mountaineer Nation. You always come through. You always do the right thing. Uh, you always give when you can't. Uh, every little bit's going to matter. Uh, so, I mean, my first order of business is when I get off the podcast, I'm going to go, you know, sit down with my wife for some uh, minute and see, see what we can swing their way. So, uh, uh, yeah, whatever, whatever you can throw their way, please check out at Gemitter, uh, 74 on Twitter for James's Twitter and, uh, and at in the gun podcast, we're going to post it as well. But really the reason we bring this up is to direct you to that GoFundMe for Kimberly Gemitter. Please do whatever you can, if possible to help the family out in this tough, surprising, difficult yeah. time. That's There's, it. I mean, it's, geez. Yeah. I mean, kids, you know, his, his kids now that, that aren't going to, you know, really get to have mm -hmm. that relationship with their grandmother. It's, it's, it's just sad. She was, she was out and about. I mean, if, if, if you're familiar with Mountaineer football, there's a chance you might've met her in the past. I mean, she was, she was always wearing his jersey. She was at about every single game. I know she was at the backyard brawl up in Pittsburgh. I know she was down in Blacksburg for the Battle of the Black, Black Diamond Trophy. So not just in Morgantown, but on the road as well, too. And, uh, of course, uh, yeah, make sure you're, you're, you're looking uh, on, on James's page and on our, our, our social media for that link as well. And, uh, obviously, our, our thoughts and our prayers going out to the Gemitter family in this, uh, this tragic time. We're going to take a break here. When we come back on the other side, we'll start to get into some game recap stuff from this past week. We uh, we make some predictions and some projections every single week. We'll take a peek, see how we did, and uh, and we'll be joined by uh, by the beer truck himself here momentarily as well, too. Jed Draining, Wesley Euler, you are in the gun. I'm talking with J.R. Toothman of Toothman Ford. J.R., everybody knows a lot of pro athletes buy from you. What's the secret? Just like Will Greer, future Hall of Famer Frank Gore, James Washington, and many more pros, these guys have financial advisors that are always looking out for them to save time and money, and that's why they always shop at Toothman Ford. And what if you're like us regular folks that don't have people giving us advice? You don't need a financial advisor. Toothman Ford will save you time and money no matter who you are. Plus, we'll buy your car even if you don't buy from us. Visit ToothmanFord.com and get a quick, instant cash offer. That sounds like a score to me. That's right. And as always, we'll take anything in trade from chicken wings to Super Bowl rings. Toothman Ford's got a lot of fans. Here's another one. Dallas Cowboys QB, Will Greer. This is Will Greer, former West Virginia and current NFL quarterback. And cars really do cost less than Grafton and Toothman Ford. That's a fact, Will. Thanks. You can shop online anytime at ToothmanFord.com. 
Let's go, Mountaineer fans. You're tuned in to In the Gun with Wes, the runaway beer truck, and the signal caller. Back in the gun, and two have become three here. We are joined by the runaway beer truck, Owen Schmidt. My dog, Big 35, what's good? My dog, what's up? Oh, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little Halloween. Ah, there he is. I'm in the Halloween spirit, son. That's fantastic. This guy made these, he made these for me. This is his deal. Can you you see it? Mask man. Mask man? Mask man by design www.maskman55.com I don't even know if he's still in business this was back when I played in Seattle This I was like holy crap these are so cool I mean he did a real cool job he made that for awesome. you? yeah he made these for me he made me a Seattle one and then he made me another one that's like white with just a blue and gold WV yeah, this one's awesome. got like my name on it but yeah for really cool are, uh, I was just gonna say for those that are just just listening, it's a uh, it's a Jason mask there that Owen has that's blue and yeah. gold with the dub V on it. That's pretty sweet. I might have to, it's super, have to super chill. Get on that website this, see if I can order one of those. This would be so now we have hockey. I played goalie. This is what my mask would look like. Oh yeah. Straight you'd up. Like, you'd be like uh what was his name? Ken Dryden back in the day. Yep. You, you wouldn't wear a mask. Come on. Well, I did play goalie. You have to wear a mask, man. I mean, yeah, golly. Right. So Those cool. badasses back in the day, though, dude. No That's what masks. I'm saying. You're soft. Come on. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> they shoved newspapers in their, down their hey. legs for, for shin pads. You know what's crazy about hockey, guys? They are absolutely nuts. And back in the day, can you imagine taking a puck right in the mouth? Back I mean, in the dude, day, I can't imagine today taking a puck in the rest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I'm talking about the goalies never even wore helmets. Yeah. Like, what? Crazy. Yeah. There's no That's way. Good point. I mean, obviously, I would have to. You know, That's back when there were face masks in football. And, yeah. You know, you had back, walk, when, back when people actually had a pair. You had to walk uphill <laughs> to school both ways. And, yeah. <laughs> I forget. I forget who it. So somebody once said, "I forget who this is." I'll have to look it up. It'll bother me. But somebody once said, "Playing football is like being in a car crash multiple times. Uh, playing hockey is like getting stabbed every once in a while." <laughs> 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 yeah, certainly, certainly some wild boys there. We got our wild boy Owen Schmidt back in the fold here, uh, folks. We make some predictions and projections every single week here on the podcast. Jed will pull up the uh, the top 25 graphic here. Just two games last week, Ohio State, Penn State, Kentucky, Tennessee. How would we do? Okay. Again, looking on the left, that was uh, our projection based on the uh, point spread and the uh, over-under. Looking on the right, those were the results. Uh, and, you know, not too far off in that Ohio State-Penn State game. Uh, Penn State hung with them for a while. They did. You know, I mean, I was tracking that score at the stadium. They hung with him for a while. Uh, I would glance at it on and off during some downtimes. And, and uh, we projected a 38-23 Ohio State win in Happy Valley. Uh, it turned out to be a 44-31 Ohio State win over the Nittany Lions. Uh, and then Kentucky at Tennessee. Whew, weren't so close on this one. Uh, yeah, we projected – a Tennessee win. They were favored by 12 and a half. Uh, we projected a 38-27 type win. 
they blew the doors off those Wildcats, 44 to six. I mean, that was, that was a statement game, fellas. Yeah, yeah up north, was, they uh, call that a shellacking. That was a get out of our way. We got some bulldogs to get to the game. That's what that was, you know. So now we have the uh, the impending showdown with Uga. So that's how our uh, top 25 projections shook out against the actual results. Yeah, and obviously when we have our Iowa State preview episode for you later on in the week, we will talk about Vols, Dogs, one verse 2 the big SEC showdown coming up next Saturday. Uh, it was a big weekend across the Big 12, Jed. Some surprising results there as well, too. We'll pull up the graphic now. What are we looking at? Uh, again, on the left, projections that came put we put out last week and the actual results are on the right. We projected a 28-27 Oklahoma win at Iowa State based on the spread, based on the over-under. It turned out to be a 27-13 Oklahoma win. Again, we, we've said it many times. They're a different team with Dylan Gabriel behind center. They just are. We'll, we'll, we'll be talking more about that extensively when they come to town here soon. Uh, Oklahoma State. Matter of fact, I'm going to save it for last. <laughs> Baylor at Texas Tech, Okay. We projected, again, Texas Tech was favored. Uh, we projected a 34-31 Texas Tech win in Lubbock based on the point spread, based on the over-under. Baylor went into Lubbock and demolished Texas Tech 45-17. to uh, So that, uh, uh, that says a lot right there. But, uh, I mean, Baylor's a well-coached football team. They're going to win some more games. And then finally, Oklahoma State – and Kansas State. Uh, this was a projected point spread of one and a half. The Wildcats were favored. We projected a 30 to 27 win. Not quite, folks. 48 to nothing. It got 28 nothing. They jumped out, K State did 28 nothing quickly, and it got worse after that. This was the worst loss of the Mike Gundy era at Oklahoma State. I mean, oh, when I heard up north, they call that a shellacking. It is. A, it's a. It's a good shellacking too. I, I mean, I'm telling you, this was just flat out. I, I. I can't account for this. I mean, again, you got that quarterback situation with Adrian Martinez, you know, uh, on the sideline as as Will Howard steps in and and he's just playing lights out football for the Wildcats. But to shut out that Oklahoma State offense, that's the part that I, I just cannot – I can't crack that mystery. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, uh, 48 to nothing. I You know, Crazy. anybody that wants to call themselves an expert in this game that we know and love, they're delusional. There's no such thing as a college football expert. There's no such thing. Uh, nobody knows anything about year. anybody. You don't know what team's going to show up when. You don't know when they're going to show up, how they're going to show up, how many times they're going to show up. If Oh, look at this. Quit jumping ahead of seasons on us, Owen. You guys who aren't watching or listening on audio, you're, you're missing something Chris here. Chris Kringle yes. in the background. Yes, Chris Kringle and a fully, Christmas tree, fully, fully adorned. decorated Christmas yeah. tree. Fully festooned behind him. Uh, come on, it's what the day after Halloween. We're just going to bypass Thanksgiving here. Like it, uh, the, poor pil the poor pilgrims are just getting forgotten. That's what I'm saying, you know. <laughs> hey, that's what I said. I said, good Lord. You just skip a Thanksgiving, yeah, yeah. man. Gobble, gobble. We need some turkey first here. There we go. 
so there's that's it for our uh, our predictions. We also make some uh, or sorry, that's it for our projections. We also make yep. some predictions every single week. Jed, his signal caller of the week, where he tells us which quarterback in the conference is going to throw for the most yards. Jed, how'd you do? Do I even need to say it? I mean, I mean, at this point, I single, I double. I'm always on the board. Who cares? Uh, I just can't knock it out of the park. I mean, I picked JT to play well against uh, TCU, which JT did. Uh, JT threw for 275. Uh, you know, in the first half, he, he had uh, probably 60% of that. Uh, that was good enough for fourth in the Big 12. Uh, Max Duggan, we saw firsthand. You know, he led the way. Uh, Hunter Deckers came in behind him. We'll see him this week in Ames. Uh, he had 308 yards, and then we talked about Will Howard with 296. But uh, I was awarded two points in our scoring system for finishing in fourth place. Owen, the Big 12 Beer Truck of the Week, where Big O tells us which running back's going to run for the most yards. I tell you what. Close here, Big O. I mean, top five, 101-yard performance from your pick, Eric Gray. But uh, Deuce Vaughn, all five foot six of them on top of the, the leaderboard this week. Yeah, who would have thought? Uh, obviously, they absolutely just dominated this week. So, like uh, like Jed saying, um, close but no cigar. And same for me as well, too. Uh, I said Iowa State, the Cyclones for my Big 12 defense of the week. We'll pull up the graphic right now. And uh, you'll see here they allowed 27 points against Oklahoma. That was good for fourth in the conference, but nothing will beat a shutout. And, of course, that is what the K-State defense had against Oklahoma State. Hey, we all got points this week, boys. We're all standing on the podium. No gold medals, but we're all standing on the podium. I tell you what, we've had worse weeks. We've certainly had worse weeks. Oh, we've had worse weeks. Yeah, we certainly have. But uh, <laughs> We'll put up the standings when we make this week's projections. Yeah. Uh, uh, eh, anyway. We're I mean, getting, I'm tired of these doubles and singles. I just, that's a, you know, Jet's I'm still tired of for that home run, Owen. I mean, the World Series is going to be over here in another week. It is. Oh, I tell you what, we got to get to another break here. When we come back on the other side, we will deep dive into the TCU recap, the good, the bad, the pivotal moments, all of that. When we return on the other side, Jed Drenning, Owen Schmidt, Chris Kringle, Wesley Euler, you are in the gun. For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyds of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations. With more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit Fortis.us.com. Fortis, roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. For more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at In the Gun Podcast. Game day got you on the go? 
We get it. GoMart is here to keep you going all season long with stores throughout our home state. We're a proud West Virginia-owned company, and our friendly staff is committed to serving our communities. From fuel to freshly brewed coffee and snacks, a stop at GoMart to cover your game day needs is always a touchdown. Plus, GoMart Rewards members earn points with each purchase to redeem for discounts on gas and free items. So stop by, start saving, and stay on the go with GoMart. Back in the gun here. It's time for our TCU recap. The good, the bad, the pivotal moments. Jed, I always feel like you do a pretty good job here delegating this. Uh, where do you want to start? You want to start with the good? You want to start with the bad? Where do you want to begin here? Let's start with the good. I mean, we've had a couple instances in the past that it was really difficult to come up tough, with anything. Tough to good. find some good. <laughs> uh, at least this week there was some of that. So if you guys want to get rolling with what you thought was was good, feel free, and then I'll, I'll chime in, and then we'll jump to the bad. Big O, go ahead. Yeah, I thought it was good that we all tied our shoelaces up tight and uh, put our uniforms on correctly. Uh, I think that was positive that we can take into next week. Um, <laughs> man, it's 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 tough because there tough. was. I mean, there was there was good in that game, but it's just there was. when you're yeah. at where we're at now, it's tough to yeah you know, yep be optimistic. Yep. And- and uh, I talked. I spoke with Jed a little bit earlier, and uh, you know, and just briefly, uh, we're playing in a good league. Um, with that being said, we have we had to play good football. You can't make mistakes like we have been, and uh, and expect a different result, right? That's just that's a definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And uh, I felt like it was just kind of, at times, who we should be. At times, who we we have to forget. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll go I'll go here for you, Jed, real quick. Um, one thing that 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 I liked was uh, twice in the first half, in pivotal moments, uh, the offense overcame two big mistakes uh I can't remember if the first was was called as holding or offensive pass interference on Bryce Ford Wheaton it was one of the two uh we were down uh I can't remember if it was goal to go or if it was you know we were at like the 12 or 13 yard line um but they got Bryce Ford Wheaton for that penalty backed us up I'm thinking here we go great we're gonna have to settle for a field goal in a game where field goals aren't gonna win for you they're able to overcome that setback still find the back of the end zone then I believe it was two drives later. Once again, down, getting close to the end zone, inside the red zone. Offensive line is called for holding. You set yourself back. You're thinking, oh, crap, man, we just wasted this opportunity. Uh, and I'm thinking we're going to settle for a field goal here, and this is going to be where TCU starts to pull away. So two big instances in the first half where the offense needed seven. They had big penalties, big setbacks. They were able to overcome that and still find the end zone. I was encouraged by that because too often we've had those those false starts, those holdings, whatever they were, down near the end zone. It sets us back. We end up settling for a field goal, and then we'd look back on that at the end of the game and be like, man, that, that procedure penalty really cost us. That holding penalty really cost us. Um, at least they were able to overcome that in, in, in these situations. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, that's well stated. And, uh, you know, 
like Owen said, you know, I, I thought what you were doing was dressing the stage for a strap it on speech, Owen, you know, uh, a little more air in your helmets because we did play hard, you know. We did. We did. We played hard. Uh, you know, we had some some guys that were forced into action, step up and contribute. Uh, you know, points the uh, the O-line was kind of thrown together like a ransom note, glued together like a ransom note. Uh so we, we had some of those guys step in place. We had some backups at various positions that were forced into duty. Uh, you know, in the first half, we got that run game clicking before we got dinged up. Uh, they got a bit of a beat on it and uh, made some adjustments. I mean, we had some luck with that gap scheme in the first half, Owen, and, and then we tried to, to mix in a little more zone, but, but they kind of pinched their front and forced – without getting too technical forced that they're pretty flexible in what they can do with that, that, that odd stack defense. So what they were really doing was pinching toward eight defenders toward the box, not really in the box, but, but tighter run fits. So they had a nice answer as we got banged up and didn't have as many options to, to run with um, transition downs. When you look at a combination of third down and fourth down on third down, we were nine of 17 offensively. On fourth down, we were two of three. So that's 11 of 20, 55% on transition down. That's winning football. Uh, I mean, defensively, uh, what you need to find is you'd start with, obviously, one more thing offensively. Let's jump back to uh, that catch by Reese Smith was just flat out incredible. I mean, that's that was the definition of toughness right there. I mean, that was the definition of toughness, how he held onto that football and that scoring strike. Uh, but defensively, uh, the goal line stand. Uh, could have been uh, a really critical juncture in that football game. Uh, they had a first and goal with the one, you know, raise your hand if you thought we had any chance of stopping them there. And yet we found a way to at least hold them to a field goal and hold serve and, and uh, put us back in position to do something with the football. But uh, I mean, that, that's what I'd say from the positive side. Uh, now, we can, you know, transition right into some of the negative things. Obviously, the explosive plays that we big allowed. Plays. Yep. Big plays that we allowed. I mean, again, I, I was telling Wes, is, as you watch the tape, Owen, I was watching play number 40 from the TCU offense. It was the first play of the fourth quarter, okay? Uh, I mean, they just made so many big plays. They weren't on the field very long, right? Now, a lot of that was miscommunication, breakdown on the back end. Um, I mean, th those are the types of things that frustrate you. Um, you know, there were coverage lapses. Uh, there were, there was, there was times when we didn't tackle well, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, that, that created some of it as well. And, and, uh, I mean, one of the big things to me is just, it's just, uh, failed opportunities, whether it was yeah. coming off the turnover off the, uh, the fumbled punt that they had, the muff punt that we recovered, we didn't make the most of that situation. Um, there were many times that defensively we knocked TCU off schedule. Okay. Uh, we had them way behind the sticks, especially in the first half. I mean, I, I'd look up and it was second and 19. And the next thing you know, it doesn't matter. They're still moving the sticks and making a big play. We had them on a, a third and long. We had them on a first and long. Several times we had them exactly where you want to put an offense like that and made nothing out of it. We let them build themselves out, let them wiggle off the hook by making a play. Uh, but uh, those were the frustrating parts to me, to name a few. Yeah, and <clears throat> once again, uh, brief moments with Jed 
and I, I was down actually uh, in South Carolina, and I was watching the game with a bunch of a bunch of older players: Mike Collins, Aaron Beasley, Brian Joswiak. Stills was there. Um, Major was there. And, you know, talking to uh, Darius before the game uh, a little bit and just, you know, because he's current or, you know, as current as you can get with the, with the program mm-hmm. um, and just asking him where he thinks some of the, you know, shortcomings are. And I'll, and I'll, I'll start with what I talked spoke with Jed actually before this was just, you know, it, it's starting to be a common theme, a trend that um, obviously our secondary is banged up. But, you know, kind of like what we were talking about was I don't see maybe so much the emphasis on the development of trying to get those guys on board so that we're, we're eliminating at least some of the uh, some of the bleeding um, during the game. Right. And uh, and I spoke briefly with. Um, Darius before the game on uh, who is going to step up as the leader here and write and write this ship, right? Who's, who's going to take control? Um, yeah. You know, some of this is coaching uh, some of this, you know, like, like we said, I thought we did, we did play tough at times, um, but who is going to be the guy who's going to step up in the locker room, right. To get it righted. And uh, th- those are just, some things that I don't see, um, you know, that we're just not correcting uh, to in, in order to to play well because we have to, right? We can't just get by uh, in this Big Twelve. Yeah, got to be buttoned up in the margins. Can't beat yourself. You got to play clean, Jed. I think that's one of the things you mentioned mm-hmm. a few times when we were doing the TCU preview episode. Got to play clean. Um. Yeah, and that's just again, you know, particularly against a, a top ten team in the country, those are those are the margins of, of victory and defeat. And playmakers are playmakers. I mean, to Owen's point, you you have Charles Woods is is not at full capacity. He's not there yet. I mean, again, he's playing with this this big taped ankle uh, that looks like like he has a three wood taped to that thing. Okay, and he's getting more snaps and more production each week. He played in Lubbock. He you know, he almost played had a, almost had a pick six on the first almost drive had of the a pick game six, there. But, but even that Charles Woods, okay, uh, I felt coming into the season he might be the best or one of the best, certainly one of the better cover corners in the entire Big 12 Conference. That's why that was such a big loss for us because had you had that guy, you could kind of, you know, kick your coverage a certain way away from him. And, but even in that role, Owen, if, if you're studying what's going on defensively, he was the only guy that really seems to, at times, jump out at you. I mean, it's just playmakers stand out, you know? Yeah. And Charles is a playmaker. And uh, there's just something about the nature of a guy with, with that kind of edge that we're talking about that, that I mean, that's exactly what you're, you're, you're referring to there, Owen. is a guy in the locker room, a guy on the field that you can turn to that's going to take you places you can't go on your own, Right. And Charles is getting back to that. He's, he's getting stronger each week. He's getting more reps each week. But it's just what strikes me is how much playmakers do stand out. And oh, here man. you have one in limited capacity, not at full strength, but he's still a playmaker. And he's still standing out amongst the, the defensive crowd out there, right? 
so it, it does matter. Yeah, of course it matters. Yeah, well said. All right, boys, let's get to our pivotal moments here. These, of course, brought to you by our friends at High Street Prints. Make sure you're checking them out, highstreetprintshop.com, for all of your printing and merchandise needs. Of course, they do all of our gear, itgfootball.com. If you're looking for some hoodies, some polos, some T-shirts, some hats, all your uh, good in-the-gun merchandise you can find there, uh, brought to you by our friends at High Street Prints. Who's going first here? You want me to go? You guys want me to go first on this one, pivotal moments? Raider Wes. All right. I was real tempted here. I was. So I'm watching this game, the 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 second half on the plane, flying out to Philly, of course, for my, my duties with the Steelers radio network. And, man, we had another one of those TCU moments, right? You think back to Clint Trickett getting his helmet ripped off and nothing called. You think back to – uh, David Sills getting mugged and somehow they call him for offensive pass interference in 2017 for whatever reason. I expect it when we play Oklahoma, right? Like when they call TJ Simmons for blocking a guy too well out of bounds on a play that results in a 14 point swing in a game that we lose by three points. Not that I'm still angry. I expect it against Oklahoma. <laughs> all right. I don't expect it against TCU. They joined the conference when we did. They're not a Big 12 traditional power. They're not a long-standing Big 12 program. But for some reason, we always have one of these moments against TCU, and everybody knows what I'm referencing. Uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton, or, or Caden Prather it was, sorry, gets his, gets his jersey pulled, and there's no pass interference or holding called on TCU. JT fumbles the next play on one of those. If they would have called it an incomplete pass, it, it would have upheld, right? It wasn't the, the call was confirmed. It was the ruling was upheld when they reviewed that fumble yeah. by JT, and then a 51-yard touchdown run the next play. So that very easily could have been a 14-point swing. I mean, you connect with KP there, or you at least get the 15-yard the yep. penalty. Uh, all of a sudden, JT fumbles the next play. Two plays later, 51-yard touchdown run for TCU. That's a massive swing. That's a massive moment. But the more that I thought about it, I'm not doing I'm, that. That's not my pivotal moment. Was that a horse hockey call for us? Yes, absolutely. Is that the reason that we lost the game? No, it was not. And I just I can't continue to do this. We do this too much, and sometimes rightfully so. But we do this too much as sports fans, particularly football fans, not just WVU fans, not every fan base in the NFL and in college, every time they lose, it's always the ref's fault. I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm not seeking comfort in that regard. That's not me, and it drives me crazy when people do that. That was a BS moment. That was a big moment, but we still had opportunities to overcome it. My pivotal moment, twice in the red zone in the third quarter, we had the ball and we scored three points. Two red zone trips in the third quarter, and we came out of those two with three points. That can't happen, period, in this conference, but particularly against a team like TCU, particularly at home where you're not battling the crowd either there. You're only going to get so many chances against a team like TCU. Like I said earlier, we knew field goals weren't going to get it done in this game. You had to score touchdowns. You can't have empty possessions against a team like TCU, particularly in the red zone. You've got to score when you get down there. In the third quarter, when you're going toe-to-toe -to -toe with TCU, I mean, you're hanging in there. They're throwing blows. You're absorbing them. You're punching back. They're absorbing them. I mean, it was a heavyweight fight there for a while. It felt to me like it really turned. Those two red zone trips in the third quarter, you only come away with three points, and that's when it felt like TCU started to settle down. We're going to win this game, and it might be a little close for comfort, but we're just fine here. Just don't blink. We're going to be all right. 
that was my pivotal moment. Two third quarter red zone possessions. You only score three points. Yeah, Wes, I'm 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 a hundred percent with you there, brother. Uh, I think we talked about that in the preview uh, some as well, um, and that's kind of what we've struggled with. Uh, not so much struggle scoring the points. I mean, we've scored points. I mean, we scored yeah, a healthy yeah, amount of points. Absolutely. Um, but we they're num- the number seven team in the country in your house. You got them where you want them. Uh, and just not being able to capitalize, it just hurts you. Um, it's unfortunate, but we have to figure out a way when we're down there to put it in. Got to punch it in, man. I'm I'm 100% with you on that, brother. Jedger? Yeah, that's frustrating and that's difficult. Uh, I think there were a couple sequences to me that uh, in the fourth quarter, the one's more obvious than the other. Uh, one of the sequences was, uh, we were down 31 to 24 and we had the ball at our own 25 and we got a quick three and out that included a sack. Okay. Um, that's a football that I think, you know, JT, again, I'm studying it here and here. And he was, he was faced with some pretty immediate pressure, but he had a chance to pump that thing, get rid of it and come back to fight another day. But instead he tried to shake free and it didn't work out. And that led to a third long, which led to a forced punt and, and, but the more obvious one uh, is, uh, you know, following the big goal line stand, okay? We had a ton of momentum, okay? We held them to, uh, you know, the situation that we held them to, and we got the football back. And, uh, and, 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 and then we bounced back and we forced the turnover, the Malachi Ruffin pick later in the, in the quarter, later in the half. Well, Malachi picks that ball right in front of our half, and our sideline just ignited. Okay, so that was the peak of all the momentum we had all night was at that point in a 34-31 game. We'd forced them into a third and long. Uh, The crowd was into it. The crowd was energized. The crowd impacted the play. The defense made a play. And the next thing you know, we got the football at our own 16-yard line, down three against the number seven ranked team in the country. There's your opportunity, right? First and 10. Uh, we send Sam on a deep cross and we run a deeper out concept. Now, a couple things want to foul on that play. First of all, I thought JT might've had an opportunity to find Sam on that crosser. Now the protection could have held up for an extra beat longer than it did. Let's revisit this though. Not an excuse. You have, uh, Brandon Yates playing right guard. This is a situation stitched of necessity Ideally, he's a tackle, but we're in less than ideal ground right now. So now you're shuffling your tackles inside to play guard just because you're so dinged up and you're down so many. So uh, they get in on JT just a touch faster than they otherwise maybe could have. And I think that impacted his ability to ID Sam on that crosser. You're looking at a 20-yard completion to start that drive. Instead, you force JT to the wide side of the field to the check down. Jalen doesn't make the catch. And now you find yourself second and 10. Well, the play selection, I didn't question through the sequence here. It was the execution I questioned. A lot of times throughout the course of this day, we had an incompletion on first down. We came back out, ran the football on second down to get back on schedule and then put ourselves in a manageable third and five, third and six, and it converted. That's why we had such success as we talked about earlier on third down. We stayed ahead of schedule by running the football on second and long to get back on schedule. In this particular situation, 
Uh, we tried to do the same thing. And again, you're talking about a kid in Jalen Anderson. CJ's now knocked out of the game. Jalen, there's only so many reps in practice to go around, right? Jalen didn't have those reps. He doesn't read that the same way. In addition to that, Jamoy Hodge for TCU did a great job of reading and reacting and shooting that gap. And the next thing you know, it's a four-yard loss. And now we're third and 14. And you're in a very desperate situation. We had every intention of treating that as four-down territory. Every intention offensively. But now when you find yourself an incompletion on third and 14, it's fourth and 14. If you're playing the obvious odds or even the less than obvious odds, now you got to punt. Okay, you got all three timeouts left. So to me, that sequence was frustrating. Uh, more specifically, not just the four-yard loss on second down, but I thought there was we were a whisker away from a big opportunity on first down. I thought we had a good call. We had, by and large, pretty good execution. Sam was shaking open into that crease in that zone on the backside. He was slipping in behind the coverage. TCU wasn't entirely alert to what was unfolding there. I thought JT was a, a half a beat away. He's seen that a million times this year. He was half a beat away from identifying that throw. And right as he would ordinarily do so, that tackle did a good job of fighting back inside Owen and getting right up in JT's grill to take his, to distract his vision and force him to a safety valve, his check down to the field instead of sitting there for that half a beat longer. Oh, he did break open, wham, 20 yards, heck away to start the drive. But instead, it's an incompletion. Downstream from that's the four-yard loss. Downstream from that's the incompletion on third down and then the punt. To me, that was the pivotal moment. What I, what I would turn to, that's my pivotal moment. But I also want to address one other thing. And what you talked about it. The, the frustrating thing was we had some of the non-calls, but those don't lose you games. Uh, strangely, you and I are both frustrated about the same specific one. I think the one that, no, it was, it was that, that may have cost you a game was the non-OPI that they called. They, they called an offensive pass interference when David Sills had his jersey ripped it, it off was, was unbelievable. on what I mean, would have been the drive to tie the, the game. That, yes, that might have been worse than the Clint Trickett one. I mean, it, it might have been. I mean, that was, was that was again, I expect was that. I expect that when we're playing Oklahoma or Texas, not friggin' TCU. Well, I'm getting way out in the weeds here, but in that game, the game we were down seven, the game was on the line. They were a top 10 team. You had no chance to make up for that missed opportunity. It was stolen from you right there. You're driving to tie the game. You get your jersey yanked, and they call OPI on you, and it's over. But I thought in this situation, when you had the non-call on KP, and I think Tony, as descriptive as he always is, he, he said it looked like the, the visionary that he provided for the radio audience was it looked like the DB was grabbing Taffy. Because, again, when you watch the play on tape, uh, he did. He stretched KP's jersey. It was like I mean, in little. It was like in little giants where the the kids' gloves yeah. Are yeah, stick together. Stick uh. Yeah. So if you go revisit that sequence, oh, God. look what what we got to get better at. These things are going to happen. You're going to have wretched calls yeah. go against yeah. you. Okay. I remember going out for the coin toss at the fifty, and when I saw whose crew that was my immediate reaction was, oh boy, okay. I mean, this is the same crew. We Everybody struggled with this crew before. It's the same crew that last week flagged Oklahoma State 14 times and Texas zero times in the same game. So 
my, my that was my first reaction. Was but you know what? You know who you know who won that game? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Oka- yeah. Oka- yeah. the team yeah. that got flagged fourteen times because they're yeah, the better that's team. Right. The team that got flagged fourteen times. You know, uh, well Texas got flagged fourteen times. Oh, well, that's what it was. Then. It was the other never way around. Okay, forget I said zero. that. I strike that. Point. Strike that from the record. Uh, yeah, and in part because of that. But I'm glad you said that because my first thought was I saw the crew and the coin toss and I thought, oh boy, it's them. Okay. And my second thought was, should I start a rumor that TCU's leaving the Big 12 to go to the SEC? Maybe they'll give us 14 flags against none, you know? But yes, should that have been, you know, a pass interference call? Absolutely. But the larger lesson to be learned is this. We have to overcome adversity. And instead of overcoming adversity, that put us in a second and 10 situation, and we didn't handle that well. I mean, after that, Sam had the false start. Next thing you know, in part because of that, it's third and 11 instead of third and manageable because of a self-inflicted penalty. The false start wasn't a made-up call. The false start only happened because it was after the non-PI call. The PI, you can't do anything about. It should have been called. But control what you can control. And what you can control is how you respond to that non-call. Don't false start and put yourself in a third and 11. So now your quarterback has to hold on to the ball for an extra beat and get it stripped. If it's third and six, your quarterback's not holding on to the ball for that extra beat. The ball's gone. The ball's out. So what I look at that big picture is, was it a bad call? It was a wretched call. It was a wretched non-call. But to me, the larger lesson there is you've got to do a much better job at handling that kind of frustration and adversity and overcoming it, you know? I mean, Owen, stop and think about it. We could probably get granular with this and go back to the 2007 season, the 2005 season, whatever you wanted to do. And over the course of winning 10, 11 games, I mean, how many times in each of those games did something go against you, right? Well, you can't let something go against you and then follow it with something else going against you that's self-inflicted, okay? You got to find a way to overcome the things that you didn't put against you to begin with. If you didn't do it, fine, you didn't do it. Now don't hurt yourself in addition to that, right? And that's kind of what played out. We put ourselves in a worse situation because we didn't appropriately handle that adversity and try and overcome it. You know, yeah, that's, that's what uh, I walk away that situation thinking. Keeping the poise and the composure, right? Being yeah. able to to uh, put yourself in check in the heat of the moment, and okay, next play, man, that one's over. Next play, I think the best teams, um, they just know how to get over it, man. They just all right, next play. I mean, the best coaches are gonna tell you, look, man good good or bad good or yeah. bad right next play next play move on move on do you know i mean penalties like you said are going to happen penalties against yourself are going to happen okay but uh you know you just you got to get over it and it's it's that's what i'm saying you know when we say when you say play clean right and i say yeah all right we we need to eliminate the the mental errors, those are the mental errors that kill you, right? So can't have a snowball effect. That's what you can't have. And you have to find a better way to handle that kind of adversity, you know? And, and I mean, what you want to see is, again, that was one of a couple calls that could have gone against you, you know? And, uh, 
you didn't handle that adversity well. The other one would have been the the non-PI in the end zone against KP. Again, you know, in a perfect world, you, you can't control that, okay? I mean, it's the coach's job to argue the call. I mean, just like a manager argues with an umpire. It, you're not going to overturn that call. What you're hoping for you're is to build enough collateral. That, yeah. That's right, the next call. You know, that's, that's how that works. And any savvy coach knows that. But you know how you handle adversity, okay? Here's how you handle adversity. TCU, and one of the reasons they're the number seven ranked team in the country, okay, is you had this muffed punt, debated all the live long day. I can kind of walk you through what happened there and why it was called the way it was called. Uh, I think at the end of the day, they got it right, not because it went in favor of us, but you, you had a situation there where the, the, the way the rule is explained in the NCAA rule books in terms of, of interfering with a punt return or kick return, he has allowed an unimpeded chance to catch the, 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 the punt or the kick. Okay. In that instance, Sam James hit him because Sam James was knocked into him by a TCU player. What's left out of the equation, the TCU player knocked Sam into the return man <laughs> because Bryce Ford Wheaton was wearing out the TCU player. So the rule doesn't really expand to that third person. It's I mean, a big thing in the NFL today is a big thing in the NFL today. It's a, it's a, a more contemporary thing in the last couple of years. They coach you to block people into the punt returner, but I digress. But the, the point I'm trying to make with this is that was an incredibly adverse situation for TCU. Their defense was thrust on the field with the stadium going crazy and the other offense all of a sudden in scoring position. What did they do? They bowed up and they held us to a field goal. That's how you handle adversity. That's why they're the number seven team in the country, right? I mean, that was the fundamental difference. The, the way they handled their adverse situations versus the way we handled some of them, but listen to you. Owen's just back there, just rocking around the Christmas tree. He's trying to get through it any way that he can. I don't blame him. It's just tough. It's tough. Like I said, and here's the thing. When, when you're in a season like this, things just don't seem like they're going our way. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it just adds the fuel, you know? Well, we hope so. We hope uh, we can take out some of those frustrations this weekend in Iowa State. Obviously, uh, we will have a full Cyclones preview for you before Jed jets off to Ames. Uh, but those were, uh, once again, our pivotal moments and some uh, some other analysis there brought to you by our friends at High Street Prince, highstreetprintshop.com. Uh, we got to take one more quick break here. We come back. We'll close this thing down. We'll tell you what we got going on for the rest of the week. We'll give some final thoughts, all that good stuff before we get out of here. You are in the gun. For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyd's of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations. 
with more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit fortis.us.com. Fortis, roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. Mountaineer Nation, have you visited us online? For great gifts and gear and our entire episode playlist, check out itgfootball.com. Final segment here in the gun as we wrap up this TCU recap. Thanks again to our new friends at Bet Online for presenting this episode. Make sure you go into betonline.ag for all of your sports betting needs. Gentlemen, we'll be back in uh, in just a couple days here. What's so funny, Jed? Are you laughing at Owen? Listen, I know I plug our YouTube page at the end of every episode, and this is the end of every episode, so maybe we can just do this organically here. You got to see Owen. I mean, he's he's got Chris Kringle in the background. He's got multiple different Christmas trees. I, we think he just walked into somebody's house in Nutter Fort down there and just you know just made he himself. Did. A he's in Nutter Fort. Made himself <laughs> at home all of a sudden. He found uh, he found Chris Kringle's house down there. So you got you got to watch this one on YouTube in the gun I mean, podcast. This is, here we are on Halloween night taping. Okay, yes. it's, uh, we're gonna drop November first, uh, and he's sitting there with Santa Claus. I mean, I mean, come on, just, man. Let, let just, Halloween let just, Halloween breathe, you know? He like, just, he just and not gave only Thanksgiving. That, he gave Thanksgiving be, the miss, I tell you. I'm becoming more convinced you could blindfold Owen, spin him in a circle, and drop him out of a C-130 anywhere in West Virginia, and in 10 minutes he'll walk into a house and be able to film the podcast there. It doesn't matter where he is. I don't that's care if he's in Nutterford, Harrison truck, County, maybe. in Wetzel County, I'm sure. He, he'd probably be at my neighbor's house in Tucker County and Davis. <laughs> it, it makes no difference. Any, any of the 55 counties in West Virginia <laughs> – it, it's he, he he's a Kramer in 55 counties you know it's listen Jed I'm here to ask Chris Kringle for a wish okay I, I'm I just for this I'm just wishing for a WVU win there we go okay Amen. that's all I'm asking for I feel like I've been a good boy okay well I'm not gonna get cold this year I plead the okay. fifth on that <laughs> <laughs> Well, the fifth is about self-incrimination. So actually, let me talk. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. I love it. I love it. We got to get out of here, but we will uh, We'll be wishing for that Iowa State victory. Again, we'll have a, uh, we'll have a preview episode for you guys. A drop on Thursday um, as we get ready for that road trip to Ames. Difficult place to play. 3.30 kickoff on Saturday, uh, November 5th. And we will uh, we'll have the full preview for you later on in the week. Uh, make sure you're rocking and rolling with us on all of our social media in the Gun Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Visual elements so you can see Owen hanging out with the good Saint Nick uh, on YouTube. And uh, and thanks uh, to everybody who helps make this possible for us. And uh, and we'll talk again soon here in the next couple of days for Jed Drenning, the signal caller, and Owen Schmidt, the runaway beer truck and the best friend of Chris Kringle. I'm Wesley Euler. Thanks for listening. Be an ear and tell an ear about your new favorite WVU football podcast. And we'll be back in just a few days to talk about those cyclones. Thanks, everybody. You've been in the gun. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.